Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know us, we're that HR analytics dashboard that's helping all of you HR and people ops leaders automate your HR reporting process. We know that most of you are pulling messy, time-consuming, painful spreadsheets from a lot of different HR systems, trying to tell a data-driven story of your workforce, but you're always scratching your head thinking, why is this so painful? Well, look, look no further, because that's why we created Employee Cycle, your very own HR analytics dashboard with pre-built integration connectors to the most popular HR systems out there. So within 15 minutes of connecting to your systems, you can view, share, track, and analyze all your data in one place. Want to learn more about how you can become data-driven much faster and easier? Go to EmployeeCycle.com, check us out. We'd love to give you a demo. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have an awesome guest on the show. So please help me welcome Beth McCart. She's the Associate Director of Recruiting at Ramsey Solutions. And today we're discussing why companies need a more thoughtful recruiting process. Beth, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Go, Beth! Welcome! (laughs) You're such a great cheerleader. I love it. Oh, I want to tell my corny joke, which I've said to many other guests, but for a low price of $4.99 a month, Every time you go into a Zoom call, I can give you that same cheer to make you feel good about every meeting. So you just let me know after the show if you're interested. Worth every penny. Awesome. All right, Beth. So we're so excited to have you on the show, but we always kick it off the same way. So we're going to ask you, Beth, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Yeah, um, really by accident. Uh, I graduated uh, from college. I'll have to give a shout out to my alma mater, UGA. So um, so I graduated from college during the middle of a recession. And at the time, there weren't like a ton of jobs available. So one of the, one of the areas that was still hiring was like healthcare and technology. And so I got into an agency, a startup agency, and kind of worked my way into corporate recruiting and then to HR leadership, but really just agency style recruiting. So that's all I've done is being on the talent acquisition side of things. Awesome. And thanks for that background. So Beth, today we're talking about why companies need a more thoughtful recruiting process. I'm so glad we're talking about this today because there's just so many issues with the recruiting process that's happening on both sides. Candidates are treating the recruiting process in a weird, interesting way based off of where we are with the talent war and everything happening with COVID and the economy. Meanwhile, companies are treating the recruiting process in a very interesting way in regards to how fast they're hiring and the types of offers that people are getting, even though they haven't been working in a specific industry for a long time, which has created all types of lopsided compensation plans internally. There's so many things going on. So I first want to ask you a very broad question, which is, what does a thoughtful recruiting process mean in general? Yeah. So a thoughtful recruiting process just means like very simply, do you have a plan and what do you value? And is your values represented in that plan? So 
as a, as a business owner, as an HR department, you know what your company values, right? You have your core values, you have your mission statement, you might even have a vision statement. And how is that integrated into your interview process so that you can hire the best people who are the best fit for your mission and your crusade? So I love when we have these episodes that can become very actionable, because I think that these are the interviews where a lot of our guests or a lot of our listeners can actually take away things that they can implement the same day they hear it in their workforce. So let's go off of this creating a plan. I would love to know, as you're thinking about creating a thoughtful recruiting process, what is this plan? What does that look like? And what is step one of me creating a plan so that my recruiting process is as thoughtful as possible? Yeah. And you might not have to recreate the wheel from scratch. The first thing that I would recommend you doing is looking at your current process. What is working? What's not working? What's confusing? Doing a survey with the hiring leaders in your organization about what they think about the interview process. Um, getting it, getting candidate feedback it could be like a simple survey about candidates that got hired and that didn't get hired and what they thought about the interview process. And I, I encourage like people to look and see and gather information first before they move forward with, with a plan and execute on a plan. One of the things that I find to be the hardest about trying to figure out what is or is not working is by default, there has to be some type of comparison. I'm assuming. And if if you agree with that, then how do you go about figuring out what's working and what's not working? And what are the components to even look at? Is it conversion rates? Is it offer rates? Is it DEI within the sourcing process? How do I even know what to look at to even understand what do I believe is not working or is not working? Yeah, great question. So um, we look at uh, a, cu- a couple of different things, like how far in the interview process someone is getting through before we say no, and how can we get to a no or a yes faster? So that's something that we look at. And then also we look at at turnover rates too, and looking at reasons why people are leaving and exit surveys and saying, hey, could this been avoided? Like if we had implemented a system or a process as far as in the interview itself, would this person not be here? Like, would they would they have opted out of the interview process knowing and being transparent about what we do here and how we operate so they can make the best decision on what's best for them, whether to take the job or not? I know, especially when we're helping customers with our dashboard, you'll look at involuntary turnover, voluntary turnover. Some companies may have the options or the custom fields to track regrettable or non-regrettable turnover, but if I'm getting this term correct, it seems like you're also talking about avoidable turnover. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really interesting. Can we dig a little deeper into that? How would someone go about tracking avoidable turnover? I would look at, uh, if you don't have exit interviews, you need to be doing that first and foremost. And then also when people tell you um, in an exit interview, like why they're leaving, um, there could be more to that story too. Or also they could be worried about saying that to an actual person. So I would recommend doing like an in-person exit interview and then also an exit survey, right? Where you're asking questions because people might be willing to share more 
about what's really going on and um, in a written form rather than a verbal form. I'm especially thinking people who are a little bit um, more reserved or just, you know, they don't want to burn any bridges and things like that. So I recommend doing both and then seeing like, where are the common denominators, right? Um, And then figuring out from there any patterns that we're seeing across the turnover to be like, okay, that those are things that we can take as a part of the exit process. And how can we build those in to an interview process to where we can avoid this turnover upfront rather than going through this song and dance of them coming on and relocating and changing, you know, their, their family dynamics and things like that to take a job that they weren't going to be, we, if we would have known those things ahead of time, they wouldn't be happy in the first place. And if I can make an assumption here, let me know if you agree. I'm going to assume that a lot of this avoidable turnover happens because recruiters and recruitment teams and maybe hiring managers, if they're included in the recruitment team, are put under so much pressure to hire so fast that either you cut corners or you may have a gut feeling and or see data points and or just blatantly just disregard a signal that you really know that this person shouldn't be hired. But again, back to those goals and metrics that you're trying to hit and achieve, the pressure that's put on you to bring in people as quickly as possible, maybe you hire people knowing 100% up front that that probably was avoidable, but you still do it anyway. Do you believe that that's true and that's what's happening? Yeah, I think a lot of recruiters, because their worth is put in the amount of hires that they make and not necessarily quality of hire, just sheer number of hires. And then there's also a lot of pressure too, because the business is coming back to them and saying like, hey, if we don't make this key hire then, you know, it's going to cost the business X amount of dollars. And they feel that weight. They feel that stress. So these things that they might see as like warning signs or, you know, signals saying, oh, I may not should push for this person. They may be doing it anyways because their incentive is to make the hire, not necessarily the best quality of hire. To bubble this back up to the title around having a thoughtful recruiting process, if Many companies are having, and I'm thinking through this as I'm saying it, if many companies are having issues with misalignment between the requirements and needs of the business versus how recruiters are measured and incentivized, how do we fix that? So that if it takes you 1.5 to 2x the amount of time to hire the best person that the business will understand that because maybe not in those 30 or 60 days longer that it took to hire that person, you're not getting someone ramped up, but that person may actually stay for two to three more years longer than the avoidable person, which clearly is a much bigger or a much better bet than having someone churn out six months or 12 months. So how do we fix that? Yeah, I think facts are your friends and using data to kind of share that story. um, One of the things that I think is missing from a lot of um, companies that that do hiring is like, hey, what is the cost if someone doesn't work out? And we concentrate a lot on like, oh, what is the what does it cost to bring someone on board? But like by 
finding someone to replace a, 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 the turnover is very expensive. And so if we can, if we can tell a story with that data and being like, Hey, this is, if you make the wrong hire, like this is actually going to cost you more in the long run. And, and I feel like when, when you share numbers and put, and put data with that storytelling, it's a lot more powerful than just making blank statements. The one thing that we've done here recently is we have, I mean, my recruiting team has definitely felt pressure in past years to like make hires as quickly as they can because we were growing so rapidly. Um, and just in the last couple of months, we've made a really big shift and, you know, kind of putting a stake in the ground and saying no more, like we're going to hire at the speed of hiring people who are on mission and who really want to make a difference and want to join that crusade of, of, ch- of changing, changing how people think uh, about money. I work for, you know, Dave Ramsey is the uh, America's like money coach. And so um, we want people to want to be a part of that crusade. And so when you're thinking about the interview process, and I kind of alluded this at the beginning of the conversation, and knowing like what your company's mission statement is, what their values are, what your vision statement is, that should align in the interview process. And you should be bold about that. So that way you're attracting the right people in and you're getting the, the wrong people to opt out. That is really fascinating, yet makes so much sense in the world. I appreciate you giving me these different metrics that we can talk about, but I just want to make a clarifying point for our guest. So you mentioned that companies should definitely track what is the cost if someone doesn't work out. Is that the same thing as tracking quality of hire or are those two different things? And if so, how? Yeah, there might be some overlap there, but they are two different KPIs that I would look at. So if you were to make if you were to make a, uh, a bad hire, right? So it's the cost of maybe they had some relocation cost with that, right? You relocated this person, you paid for a relocation package. Um, it's the onboarding cost. It's the training cost. I mean, it's sheer hours of, you know, you pouring into them and coaching them and getting them up to speed. And then it's like the replacement cost too, right? What does it take to backfill this person, advertising cost, interview time cost, all those different things kind of add up. And you can, it's not, um, it's not something that's like the same for every company. You just need to look at it being like, okay, what, what is first easily trackable? And are those things important to that? Um, I would say quality of hire is definitely something that is a squishy thing. And you just need to look at in terms of like, okay, well, what do I value as a quality hire? Some companies look at quality hire as in terms of retention, like how long someone has been here, like the average tenure. It could be, it could be on a number from one to five, like how well, like this person's performance is on their annual review. Um, it could be quality of hire. They met all the minimum qualifications for the job. So there's a lot of different things that you can look at. You just need to be clear about what are those different, th- like how do you define those different, I'll call them KPIs. Uh, how do you define those different KPIs? And then within that KPI, how are you breaking that down and how is it weighted? Um, because in some scenarios, like you might say, Oh, well, the, 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 this certain line item 
might be less important to me. So I might assign that to like a 10% weighted versus, oh, this one's really important to me. So 70% of that KPI should be in there. So you can look at it from like a KPI in general and then how you break that down and how you weight those different things within the KPI itself. Got it. Really interesting. I can talk to you about this all day because there's just so many things that I'm learning here and so many things that I think our audience is really going to hold on to once they listen to this interview. But I want to summarize some of the things that you've been talking about to make sure that we're capturing all of it because you've just dropped so many gems for us today. So one, it sounds like if you were going to have a thoughtful recruiting process, you definitely have to have a plan. You also first need to start thinking about what is and is not working. From there, figure out what are the metrics to even include in that. And it seems like one of the biggest ones is really understanding outside of just trying to hire people as quickly as possible, or we'll call it speed dating through the recruiting process, but making sure that you're hiring the best person that really fits the role versus just trying to fill a seat just so that you can have good metrics. Is there anything that I'm missing here? You know, you summarized it really well on what we've covered so far, for sure. If there was one other thing that you would think, if, let me ask this in a different way. If our audience didn't remember anything else from this podcast, but one thing, what is that one thing that you would want them to remember? I would say, don't try to change this overnight <laughs> because you might get some change fatigue. I would look at it from not looking at a single tree, but looking at the whole forest. And do I have the big picture in mind, right? When you're, when you're setting that out and your plan should be a version of plans. So it should be like a roadmap on like, Hey, where do I want to go? If I think about it, it's like, okay, I really want to build a sports car, right? I want to build this like cool, sexy Ferrari that I can go out and just, you know, go 90 miles an hour down the interstate, right? I got to build a skateboard first, and then I can upgrade to a bicycle, and then I can upgrade to a motorcycle. So try to figure out like what your skateboard is first. The biggest mistake that I see people make is that they automatically build the Ferrari first, and then it's just so much change that you don't get the buy-in. But if you can make incremental steps being like, okay, this is where we want to go, here's version one, here's version two, and have, you know, this is a big undertaking. And so if you can have a 12, 18, 24 month implementation, depending on the size of your organization and how many leaders you need to train to get on board with this and get the buy-in from them, it's going to make it a lot easier than just being like, here's the sports car and we're ready to go 90 miles an hour. You're just not going to get the buy-in from your stakeholders. Beth, thank you so much for being such an awesome authentic and just candid podcast guests, really breaking down all of these different areas of how to build a thoughtful recruiting process. That was great. And I know that our audience is going to have a lot of questions. So think they're going to have a lot of questions and I'm sure they're going to hit you up on LinkedIn. So uh, be prepared yeah. for that because this is <laughs> awesome. But Beth, thank you so much for being such a great guest on the Employee Cycle Podcast. We really appreciated you. And you won't even have to pay your $4.99 for this, for this clock right here. Woo, Beth. Go, Beth. So Beth, where can people find you and Ramsey Solutions online? 
Yep. So like you said, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. Check it daily. I'm happy to connect there. You know, shoot me an email address, um, beth.mccart at ramseysolutions.com. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all these, all your contact info in the show notes. So for everyone out there listening, if you enjoyed this episode as much as Beth and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating because we want to have the most thoughtful podcast as possible. And this helps us know what is working and not working for our show. Also, if this is your first time listening to our podcast and you came here because you either thought this topic was super compelling or you're already a huge super fan of Beth and you just had to hear what she was going to say, but now you're hungry for more episodes, then please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.